You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning, everybody, and uh, thank you for joining us for the leadership class. And uh, we have, uh, I, I believe we're on about our fifth or sixth week of uh, leadership courses. And uh, uh, today it's going to be uh, focused on church building and specifically on small groups. Um, this is uh, incredibly important for, for building churches. You know, there's a whole science and art and theology behind building a church or planning a church, building ministry. And if you've been in the church more than about five years, you are involved in that. You are part of that. You are you are part of building the church really from day one. But usually the older we get as Christians, the more we get involved and we get pulled into leadership roles and, and we get more and more put on our shoulders. And so it's very important that we're trained. It's very important that we understand what we're doing, why we're doing what we do, and and how to do what we do. And that's a lot of what, what these classes are for is to, first of all, to help us understand why we do what we do and to understand you know how, what we're doing and why and how we're doing it and, and how to do it. There's a, there's there are banks of knowledge out there that we can reap from, both from experience of things that have been done in the past, um, from the scriptures, and even from experts that are out there. Some of them in our church, some of them outside our church, uh, that have become experts in certain aspects of leadership and of church building. So this is a little bit of a church building 101 class, specifically small groups changing the world. You know, I believe that, I, I firmly believe after years of study and years of practice that it will be small groups that change the world. It won't be large churches. It won't be, uh, you know, obviously not a government plan or, or, or some kind of an agency. It's going to be small groups and individuals working in small groups that will make a difference in this world. Um, and, you know, much of the success of our movement came from what we called, actually originally we called them soul talks. Uh, but when I became a Christian uh, 38 years ago, it was called a soul talk. And then it became a Bible talk. And it's been a Bible talk ever since. And a lot of times now it's called everything from family groups to small groups to whatever. It doesn't really matter the name. Um, and this this study, this what a lot of what I'm sharing with you is not only based on my 38 years of experience, but also based on research I've done. I recently was... Uh, I got my master's in divinity from Pepperdine, and one of the big projects I did, it was a semester course on small groups, and I made a presentation at the end, a presentation that I've done all over the world with different leadership groups, um, but uh, what what helps churches grow today? Times change, and different things that are done in the church are effective in different ways. There was a time about 40 years ago that Churches of Christ one of the most effective tools, they would buy a school bus and they'd go around the neighborhood and pick up kids on Sunday mornings and bring them to kind of a, a Bible school or Sunday service uh, children's ministry. And believe it or not, lots of people would send their kids out, put them on the bus and send them off for a couple hours, you know, and then they'd come back. I mean, nobody would do that today, send their kids off with perfect strangers, you know. But But back in the day, that was done a lot. And lots of people and became Christians because of it. Um, uh, I, I know several people in the Church of San Diego that became Christians that way. So, so things changed though. There was a time where slideshows were the effective way of communicating. It was the first early use of media. No, 
and 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 nowadays the internet has become a way to reach people and churches are starting to really get involved in the internet and figure out ways to reach out so i did this massive research project where i studied uh, all the fastest growing churches and movements specifically in southern california but also around the globe uh, i tested things with studied with comparing it to things around the world and I came up with the five top factors that all these churches have in common. Um, number five was they had great worship. The, the fastest growing, most effective churches, they had invested time, money, and energy into having great worship. Number four, they were youth focused. They spent time making sure that they were passing on their, their faith to the next generation. Churches that don't effectively do that die out. There are many churches right now dying out. There's churches that there's 45 members and they're sitting in an auditorium that seats 300 members because that's what they used to be. But their kids grew up and left their church and didn't come back. And some of these kids went off to these churches that are mega churches with great worship, great youth programs, all that kind of stuff. And some of these people left and just lost their faith along the way. And, um, and, and, and they're suffering because of it. So being youth focused was a key. Uh, being number three, being mission minded. Uh, churches that are outward focused. They're trying to plant churches around the world. They're trying to support churches around the world. They're trying to, uh, do different, you know, things to advance the kingdom of God around the world. And they're, and, and specifically if they're mission minded, even in their own neighborhoods, in their own cities, that's a key to growth is that, that there, that you know, you can go in and say, "What is Matthew twenty-eight eighteen? And anybody who's been attending there can tell you what it says because they've read it, they've said it, they've talked about it enough times. They're very mission-minded. Number two is they're involved in helping the poor. Um, that is the key. That they are globally minded. What does global mean? Global and local. They are globally or globally minded. They're trying to help the poor in India, Africa, Latin America, Asia, somewhere else out there. But they're also trying to help their community and do something in their own community. And then number one, and this is our topic, is that they are typically small group churches. Um, there are three kinds, three categories. There are churches that have small groups. There are churches that are organized by small groups. In other words, everybody's in a small group. And those small groups come together to become the big church. And then thirdly, there are churches that are just small groups. That's what they are. They're small groups. As soon as a group gets big, they split, and that becomes another church. And I can tell you this, that mo that, that 90% of the churches that are shrinking, and which is 90% of the churches out there, um, are the large churches with just some small groups. The church, 90% of the churches that are growing are either, A, the churches that are completely organized, in small groups, in other words, everybody's in a small group, or B, the churches that that's what they are, are small groups. They're a group of six, they become a group of 10 or 12, they split to two groups of six. And then the same thing happens, then it's split. It's that cellular multiplication. Um, those are the two groups that are growing the most. The group that's growing the fastest are the ones that are just small groups. But um, many of them end up becoming a little bit bigger, but they, but they keep that organization of small groups. That's huge. That's definitely our history. It was soul talks. Everybody was in a soul talk. And that was your 
identifying group. Um, experts, you know, these are just some quotes. Uh, these are things being said. The dominant force in Christianity today is the house church. That's another form of small groups. Uh, this they call it. This is an age of revolution where churches are no longer. You know, for hundreds of years, going to church meant you went to some big, huge stone building, and you sang songs, and then you left. In the last twenty-five years, that has been changing more and more to going to a house church, going to a Bible talk, going to a small group. And they call in this the revolution of Christianity. Um, comparing it to the Reformation or the Great Awakening, which really this is this is something that happened in the 1800s that, that just revived Christianity in America. Um, other things said, the most significant church growth event in the U.S. church today and for decades to come is the explosion of small groups. Dr. John Vaughn, he's the expert. He's the guy who, who who's, who's the expert on church growth, he monitors, he holds the stati- statistics, he works with Barney, works with the d- different organizations out there, monitoring what's happening in the Christian world with different denominations and different groups. And this is what he says from his observation, is that the, the most significant thing is the explosion of small groups. Um, George Barna, and if you've never heard of the Barna Research, look them up, it's a great, there's a lot to learn on their website, the Barna, I think it's just Barna.com something like that. Look them up. Um, the landscape of the Christian church is changing faster than at any other point in American history. Um, we're, we're in the middle of a, a huge evolutionary move or revolutionary transformation. You know, I always, I, I challenge in my leadership programs or when I do work, leadership workshops with church leaders um, today, you know, there's a couple things I always say to them. I, you know, I tell them, Look, number one, if your church disappeared, would your city even notice? Would anybody in your city notice? For most cases, the answer is no, because our churches aren't having much of an impact. And and sad to say, that often means that they're just not very relevant. And it's one of the things our church is learning right now, because for years we remained silent on many social issues. The problem is it it renders you... uh, it renders you basically irrelevant. You have no impact on life, not in real life. And churches can become these little bubbles of life, but it's not light. It doesn't touch the real world. And it doesn't really help people because it doesn't address the real world issues. Churches have to be involved. They have to be connected. They've got to be out there on the streets. It keeps them relevant. And and I can tell you this, that the, there, there are shifts, generational shifts happening there's currently right now, of course, millennials are basically currently taking over the world. The 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 uh, the baby boomers are pretty much retiring right now. Generation X or Generation Next, um, a lot of them are are a lot of them have been living in the shadow of the baby boomers. Um, they and and they've had a tough time getting out from that shadow. Um, the next big group is the millennials, and they are the ones taking over. And they have a very different worldview than the boomers. And and they do see the world much more as a global village. And they see social issues as much more important in life. And even, you know, by the fact of all that's happening in our world right now with politics, with race relations and, and um, you know, the shifting uh, with, with uh, the plurality, excuse me, plurality of society or diversity. Um, 
all that's part of more of a millennial mindset. And then Generation Z is even more radical than the millennials about these things, about protecting the earth and diversity and equality and justice. And 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 so that that's going to impact the church. Church has to be able to to keep its core values and yet change with the times on how it communicates, how it reaches out. When I was a young Christian, we laughed at the churches of Christ, the, the traditional church of Christ. School buses, are you kidding? Film strips, are you kidding me? We laughed at them because at that point, those were 20, 30-year-old methodologies to reach the world. They were outdated. Okay, so here we are today. What are How old are our methodologies to reaching the world right now? Are we not doing things that we did 20, 30 years ago and expecting the same results and not getting them? No, we have to evolve too. You know, there's there's a huge difference between the message that Peter preached in Jerusalem. Fast forward, the church is spreading, growing across the known world. Paul meets at the Areopagus, and these are all the brightest, greatest minds of the world, of the ancient world, meeting at the Areopagus in Athens and Greece. And he preaches to them. His sermon is radically different from Peter's sermon. In fact, his sermon doesn't, he doesn't even use scriptures. And he's not talking about Moses. He's not talking about the Old Testament. He's not talking about the Messiah. He's not talking about, he doesn't even mention Jesus' name. And yet it's a powerful sermon. He uses, he quotes several poets, Greek poets. He uses Greek rhetoric. He he appeals to them. It's in excellent Greek. I mean, he, Paul is the ultimate, it's a quintessential missionary. He knows how to adjust and adapt. And yet, he still preaches about God and, and the Savior, Jesus. He still preaches the message, but he knows how to adapt it. You know, I was I was in the in the workshop, I always tell people, keep in mind that there was somebody at Blockbuster in some meeting who said, We don't need to change digital movies or downloading movies or or you know, the red boxes, it's not going to last. Keep doing what we're doing. And once upon a time, if you wanted to see a movie, you had to deal with Blockbuster. Now they're gone. I think there's one left in Alaska. I think it might be the last one. And 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 somebody sat in the Kodak meeting and said, oh, digital media will never take off. Just keep doing what we're doing. They didn't adjust. And now people don't even know who Kodak is. Once upon a time, anything you did with pictures involved Kodak. Um, so you have to be able to stay with the times. And yet, that doesn't mean that you change your core values. That doesn't mean that we give up on Scripture or we start violating the Scriptures. The Bible itself evolves how the message is given. You can see it in the Scriptures. Um, small groups are one of those universal core values they seem to just work. Why? Why do small group small groups work? Well, okay, so here's 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 the theology from theology to the practicals. Number one, God is a small group. <laughs> I mean, God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even God does not work alone. God works in a small group. That's the nature. If you are love, you have to have an object of your love. And and that's the way God operates. So it's how the universe, it's how creation is wired, right? 
So God is a small group. Number two, Jesus used small groups. I mean, the apostles was his small group. He had his inner circle, like God. There's three of them, right? James, John, and Peter. Then he had, um, and and then he had his twelve, the apostles, and then the seventy-two, then the hundred and twenty. You know, it got bigger and bigger. But even the seventy-two, if you look at it, if you take the twelve and divide them up, the twelve take the two, and you end up with seventy-two. You, you, it's all the same thing. If each of them have ten people, then you end up with one hundred and twenty, right? So it's it, it stayed small. It had to because they had to fit in houses. They met in houses in the early church. So house churches kept it small, right? The early church met in small groups, at least for the first 300 years, especially when they were illegal, right? Um, it facilitates, and some of the practicals of why, because it facilitates community. You know, it's, 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 it's easy to be close to a Bible talk. It's hard to be close to a church of a thousand people. You walk in, is anybody going to really notice that you're even there? Is anybody going to notice if you don't show up? If you're sick, is anybody going to realize that? But when your Bible talk meets and you don't show up and there's only 10 of you, of course people notice you didn't show up, right? It's it, 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 it facilitates for your group to be a community, for you to be part of a community. That's where the magic happens. That's where the love happens. That's where, you know, on your birthday you have friends that want to celebrate you with you. You get wake up 2 in the morning with with horrific pains and need to go to the hospital, you've got somebody to call to come watch your kids or to give you a ride to the hospital or, or whatever you, this is, this is where Christianity plays out where we're able to love each other and serve each other and take care of each other. You can't love every, you can't be close to and serve a thousand people. Nobody can. You can only do that with a handful of people. That's your small group. Um, it facilitates, Deeper relationships, because it's a smaller group, you can be deeper, you can practice all those one another scriptures. Um, it facilitates discipleship. You know, we still believe in discipleship. We have to help each other. We have to get help. We have to get advice. We have to give advice. We have to help each other get there. We all have different strengths and weaknesses. We have different experiences. We can help one another, and that happens in that small group. Um, it facilitates, facilitates spiritual growth. You know, we, as, as we grow, we grow together. We can learn from each other. We can learn from each other's mistakes. We can see something and say, well, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want that to happen to me. But we can also learn. We can share our lessons and help one another. And when somebody's full of faith, it affects us. When somebody's full of doubt, it affects us. The group can help the person full of doubt and the group can absorb the person full of faith, right? Um, it really facilitates spiritual growth. It facilitates leadership development. It gives everybody a chance to lead. We can't, we're not all given the gift to preach. We're not all given the gift. I know that sometimes, you know, we think, oh, everybody should be able to get up there and preach in the church. No, not everybody's given that gift. And you know what I'm talking about. There's some brothers get up there, start preaching. And we're like, okay, that's, that's good for this year. Check it off. Um, that's just not everybody's gift. And there's some people that don't want to. They're like, I know it's not my gift. Don't make me go up there. But they could lead a great Bible talk. And then that's how they can carry out their leadership and learn great leadership skills. It facilitates missional lifestyle. You have somewhere to bring your friends, your neighbors, your family members, your co-workers. To, to, they can meet. And it's not overwhelming. Most people are pretty much scared of church. Most people, they're like, eh. I mean, the... the 
the mindset of most of the world is pretty negative about church. But coming to your house for a small Bible, a small group Bible talk, most people are more open to that. Um, and, and, and we can be very missional about that. Uh, facilitates full participation. You can't hide in a group of 10 people. You know, if it's a potluck and you don't bring the beans, everybody's going to notice, you know, because <laughs> we're counting on those beans or the potato salad or whatever, the rice. Um, everybody has their part. Everybody has something to give and should give that. In a large church, it's easy to get lost and feel like you're not needed, feel like you're not important, you know. And, and so that's why the small group is so, so, so important because everybody has a role in that. And it is the truth. It's not placating people like, oh, let me give you all a job. No, we all been given gifts and we need to use those gifts. That's why God gave them to us. There is a correlation between the bigger a church gets or the group gets, the less and less it feels like family and feels more and more like just a crowd. And and we have to understand that. So are we against large churches? No. In fact, if we're successful, we're going to become a large church. But the way you offset that is by strong, small groups. So really the church is a meeting of small groups. So... Are small groups really that effective? They have been thoroughly proven to be very effective, much more effective than large churches. Um, there's a movement called the cell group movement. It started in South Korea with Dr. Cho, and he started with 12 people. And his whole thing was when, he hits to, when it hits 12, it splits. And then when those groups reach 12, they split. And every group that reaches 12, they split. And they had those other principles that I talked about that they put into practice, very missional, very evangelistic. And that church grew to what? To 800,000 members. One church. Their whole thing was the cell group. And the whole church organizes by cell groups. Um, And somebody said, well, you know, that's Asians. They're much more naturally organized and they're used to working together like that, that would never work in Latin America. So somebody went and tried it in Latin America. They tried it, the same formula in Bogota, Colombia. And guess what? That the They called it the 12G. Um, it grew from 12 to 520,000 people. All organized in small groups. Nigeria, they did it. It grew to 124,000 members. Even in the United States, small groups have done amazingly well. Some of the churches that I researched, Lakewood Church in Houston, 47,000 members. Willow Creek in Illinois, 23,000 members. North Point in Atlanta, 17,000 members. Iglesia Cristiana Sagrada, uh, Sagadora de, de Vida, 6,000 members. And at that point, this was about 10 years ago, it was actually the fastest growing church in America. Um, and their whole thing was small groups. Everybody being in a small group. And the last thing I want to say about small groups, we'll start wrapping it up, is um, these are the seven deadly sins of a small group. Number one, becoming a spiritual clique. It's especially easy for older members to do this. It's, you, you, you've got great friendships, you're close to each other, and it's easy to just, hey, we just want to get together and hang and enjoy each other's company and help each other. That's great. That's wonderful. But you still need an evangelistic meeting. You need a time to bring visitors 
to bring friends. So don't let your small group become a spiritual clique. Um, number two, being inconsistent and meeting together. You know, when people start saying, hey, are we having Bible talk this week? Or are we meeting this week? That's a sure, sure sign that you're on your way to dying. <laughs> um, it, people have to be able to count on this. It has to be consistent. It shouldn't be canceled just because, oh, somebody got sick and we're not going to meet. That's usually a sign of low commitment. And if the leader doesn't take it as a top priority, neither will the members. Um, you always have to you know, keep in mind Hebrews 10's warning, do not give up meeting together, right? Um, number four, we like taking care of our people, so we do it all, uh, meaning that the leaders do everything. And, and you know, it's usually out of a good heart. They cook all the food. They prepare everything. They set up everything. Once in a while, that's fine. You want to serve your people and do something special. It's kind of like washing their feet, only not quite so stinky, right? You get to cook them a meal and serve them and all that. That's good. But that should not be the norm because people need to be able to serve. People need to be able to participate and use their talents and gifts as well. So the leader who does everything eventually ends up not being the leader anymore because people want to be part of things. They want to serve. They want to give. A good leader raises up people, hands off responsibilities, and is more a coordinator than the person who actually does everything. Uh, number five, we don't want to have, we don't have time to talk deep. We're doing so many things all the time. We never get to talk about how we're doing or what's going on with us. That's also a mistake. You know, and if you need to, if you got a lot of visitors coming and you feel like, well, you know, so-and-so is not going to talk about his marriage when we got all these visitors and stuff like that, then have a D group. There's no limit. I mean, you can get, get together on Saturday morning, go down to the beach, pray and talk about how we're doing. But make sure you keep time set aside for being deep. Number six, allowing and tolerating uh, lukewarm, sinful lifestyle. You know, the, the group has to be also the shepherds of your own little flock. That's a little flock. And you guys have to talk about when there's open sin, when there's sin in the group, it's got to be dealt with. Otherwise, that sin will affect your entire group. And we can't be conflict avoiders. We can't be afraid of dealing with things. We have to roll up our sleeves and get in there and deal with things. And number seven, just ignoring God's plan. I mean, sometimes we literally can hijack the Bible talk and make it what we want it to be. You know, oh, I just want a group of friends that support me and make me feel good. You know, we get together, we watch football, we, 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 or we play basketball, and then we leave. I mean, that's all fine. There's nothing wrong with those things. But it has to be a group on a mission. And I, you know, I consider Bible Talk, it's a family on a mission. And we have to keep that in mind. We're on a mission. We're not just here to hang out. Does that mean we can't have lots of hangout times? That's good. I'm a, I'm a people person. I, I'm a relational leader. I love hanging out, but I'm not going to be with the church just to hang out. We're, we have a mission to accomplish. So these are the seven deadly sins. Very important that we keep an eye on these things, that we check our Bible talks. Um, you know, this is, this is a map of the metro region where our households are. This is not everybody, but it's, it's, it's at least half the region. As you can see, we're all over the place <laughs> from from Long Beach, Seal Beach, all the way up to Glendale, to Burbank, to all the way up to um, almost to Calabasas, you know. And 
uh, over to Anaheim. And of course, you know, the, there's a big group around the east and a big group around the center. And I mean, we're just scattered all over. So we got plan to do. But let me tell you something. This, this is how we're going to evangelize our city. It's going to be by having small groups in our homes, by having Bible talks in our houses. Uh, I, I want to challenge you to dream, to pray about having a Bible talk in your house if you don't already, but about just evangelizing our city by starting new Bible talks. If you have a Bible talk, pray about how, planning another Bible talk. You know, we should, if we had twice as many Bible talks, I mean, how awesome would it be if there was a Bible talk within 10 blocks of every Bible talk? If every single person in L.A., had a Bible talk within 10 blocks from them. We'd saturate the city with the gospel. That would be awesome. This is a very simple, strategic way to evangelize our city. And we can spread the gospel. We can spread the good news of Jesus. We can spread the good news of the kingdom of God to the entire city through small groups. Totally doable. And if every small group just helped one guy, one woman become a Christian, we would grow exponentially. So it's not that out of reach. It's not unobtainable. It's totally within reach. If we just follow God's plan, that was his plan. So, But we have to understand the importance of our small groups, the importance of, of spreading the kingdom of God, the vision that we have as a region, what we're trying to do. you know. And let me remind you of our vision. A church led by humble, spiritual, strong leaders. A church with great worship, where the members all walk with God and are driven by faith, unified in purpose, where mutual respect it permeates the fellowship as we help each other get to heaven. Where love is easily seen, felt, and experienced. A church where personal conviction is high and grace is abundant. Where renewal is constant and conflicts are resolved spiritually. A church where everyone serves, gives generously, and is fruitful. A church where there's great dating, great teens, campus, and singles ministries. Where marriages and families can thrive and shine. A church that is a great kingdom kids ministry, giving all children hope. A church that serves the community and takes care of each other, having no needy among ourselves. A church where our children become Christians and feel proud of this family. A church with strong women's and men's ministries. A church that continually raises up new, young, and older leaders and is able to send out trained leaders to start new churches and new ministries. A church abundant in faith, fruit, and fun. That's our vision. How are we going to accomplish that vision? Through small groups. It's kind of like the old the old joke, you know. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know, one bite at a time. Rome was a built day, brick by brick, right? Every small group is a brick in the building of God in the cathedral of God. I close out with this uh, scripture. I love this scripture in Habakkuk. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time, it hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So we have the plan. The plan is small groups. We just have to get good at this. We got a lot of work ahead of us. Our small groups are all over the place. Some are too big, some are too small, some don't meet regularly, some. And this is something we're going to work on uh, absolutely in the future, strengthening our small groups so that every Bible talk leader is well trained in leading their small groups. 
and that every small group is clear on its mission, full of members that are devoted to it, and and that we're, we understand that this is one of the great tools that God has given us to accomplish the mission that he has given us. And it will be accomplished as we fulfill the mission and get to that vision that we all want to be part of. So thank you, and that's the class for today. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit metrolaregion.com.